Our opening words are from the Reverend Teresa I. Soto, my former student at Meadville Lombard Theological School and now my colleague in our congregation in Oakland, California. It's from her wonderful meditation book from Spilling the Light, Bring Your Broken Hallelujah Here. Bring your broken hallelujah here. Bring the large one that is beyond repair. Bring the small one that is too soft to share. Bring your broken hallelujah here. I know that people have told you that before you can give, you have to get yourself together. They overstate the value of perfection by a lot. Or they forget or forgot. You are the gift. We all bring some broken things, songs and dreams and long lost hopes. But here, together, we reach within. As a community, we begin again, and from the pieces, we will build something new. There is work that only you can do. We wait for you. Welcome. I'm Kristen Satterley, and I'm delighted to be here as your worship leader today. We're so happy to welcome our guest preacher, Reverend Nicole Kirk, who you just met. Reverend Kirk is the Frank and Alice Schulman Professor of Unitarian Universalist History at Meadville Lombard Theological School in Chicago, and she's also a Unitarian Universalist minister. She served congregations in Ohio and New Jersey before pursuing her doctoral studies in American religious history. Reverend Bob is unable to join us today, but he tells us that Reverend Kirk was one of his favorite professors in seminary. We're joined this morning as well by our music director, Susan Peck, and Reverend Katie Culbert, who is presenting today's Time for All Ages. Our DJ today is Arnie Gullerud, and our tech team is Bill Miller, Chris Paul, Michaela Renz-Whitmore, and Raymond Wolfgang. Thank you all so much for making Zoom worship possible. If you're visiting today and you're comfortable with it, we invite you to put your name and location in the chat so that we can greet you. And now we have a couple of announcements. The UU Addiction Recovery Ministry will be meeting today following the service. Login information is in the chat or will be shortly and will be provided again at the end of the service. Congregational polity is alive and well at First Unitarian. At last Sunday's special congregational meeting, the congregation voted to buy out our solar panel lease, move forward with the process of purchasing the ARC building and ordain our former ministerial intern, Jane Davis. For more information, check out the broadsheet that went out on Thursday. And now, Let's light our chalice and settle into worship. We kindle this chalice, the lamp of our heritage, to light our path. May it illuminate the road behind as well as the path ahead so we may find our way. Come, let us worship together. Good morning. I'm here from Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, where I am visiting my parents and family members. And I am just here to introduce our choir's first piece of music today. The third week of May is typically our choir Sunday. And this year's no different. We've been making virtual choir videos for the past several weeks, and we'd like to share three of them with you today. Our first one is our own broken hallelujah with its connection and not perfection. That's been our mantra all year. So please welcome the First Unitarian Chalice Choir, Virtual Chalice Choir.
Ms. Ann, would you like the chalice as we say our principles? Each person is important. Kind and fair in all you do. We're free to learn together. We search for what is true. All people need a voice. Build a fair and peaceful world. We take care of our planet. We work together for diversity and against racism and oppression. Thank you, everybody. Good morning. It is so good to be with you again virtually this morning for our Time for All Ages. Today's subject is grief. Now, grief is a feeling. It's what we feel when oftentimes we associate it with losing someone we love, um, whether you know they, they die, they pass away, um, or perhaps you had a friendship that you were very close to that person and you're no longer friends. You can grieve the loss of that friend. You can grieve the loss of a pet, the loss of a job, anything that you really loved that was important to you in your life that is no longer a part of your life, you can feel grief over and we will all feel grief in our lives for sure. So I also want to share with you a little bit about what's going on with me. I am in grief. I am deeply mourning because I lost my mama just a few weeks ago. My mom died and I was very close with her. She was the most special person to me in my life. Here's a picture of her. This is a Polaroid. Y'all are young. You probably don't know what that is, but this is when I was a teenager. That's my mama. Um, so I wasn't prepared. You can never be prepared to, uh, for losing someone that you love. And um, so today we're gonna be talking about grief. It's, so, it's called grief is like a snowflake. I'm in Florida from Louisiana, not a lot of snowflakes, but I went to school with Reverend Bob 
and your uh, minister today who is preaching, Reverend Dr. Nicole Kirk, was my history teacher at the same school in Chicago. So while in Chicago, I definitely saw plenty of snowflakes, my fair share. Um, but when I saw this book, I knew that this explained grief perfectly and kind of what I've been going through the past uh, few weeks. Oh, I want y'all to pay attention. When you see the red cardinals come um, on the screen, that means we're shifting from one scene to a different scene. So there's two scenes, two different locations taking place in this book. So when you see the red cardinals, you know you're shifting from a couple of characters to a couple of different characters. So pay attention and look for those red cardinals. Deep in the emerald forest grew a beautiful little pine tree. He was very, very sad. He was so sad that he cried sap tears every single day. He cried so much that he was almost out of sap tears. A few weeks ago, his father was taken. Why my dad? The little pine tree asked his mom. Why was my dad the one? I don't know why, said his mom. It just happened. But wh wh where, where did he go? We won't find that out until it's our time to go, said his mom. Will he ever come back? His trunk and branches and pine needles are gone now and they will never come back. But his roots are still hugging yours and his memory will live inside your heart forever. But if he's not coming back, who will protect me from the cold winter wind? Well, I will, said his mom and I will, said his uncle, and we all will, said the Emerald Forest. When it's summertime, who will shade me from the sun when it's too hot for my needles? I will, said the mama, and I will, said the uncle tree. We all will, said the Emerald Forest. I just can't believe he's gone. I feel like somebody has cut off all of my branches, and now I'm just an empty stick stuck in the ground. And his mother said, I know how you feel, sweetheart. I feel like a lightning bolt has split me in half. But where will the Cardinal family build their nest? I'm sure they'll find the right place, said his mother. My dad's top branch was the right place. There will never be a better place for their nest than his branch. Now he was gone and now the Cardinal family is leaving too. Why, you look pretty sad for a Christmas tree, a flock tree said to the daddy pine tree who was next to him. Look at me! I am beautiful! I was covered in lights and plastic snow and I was decorated with beautiful ornaments and I had tons of presents underneath me. I was the most beautiful Christmas tree on the block. See, I'm still wearing one of my ornaments. Hmm, that's nice, said the daddy pine tree. I can see that they didn't give you any plastic snow, but did you have beautiful lights? Hmm, no. Did you get to wear ornaments like this one? Nope. Did people put fancy presents underneath you? No. Like I said, you must have looked pretty sad for a Christmas tree. Actually, said the daddy pine tree, I was beautiful. I was covered in paper chains that were made by love. Each link of my paper chain had a message that was written by a child to a loved one who had died. My pine cones were pulled off and covered in glitter and given away as presents. I made a lot of people smile. Plastic snow, fancy lights, and beautifully wrapped presents? What really matters in life is what's on the inside. How is your mulch? My mulch? Yes, your mulch. Your mulch is the stuff inside your heart. It's what you give back to others. Well, maybe, um, maybe if I'm really good and I do everything I'm told, my daddy will come back. I wish he would come back, little tree, but no matter how good you are, that is not going to happen. But it's not fair, 
Why me? Why us? Why our family? You're right. It isn't fair. It isn't fair at all. But we can't change what happened. I wish I had all the answers to your questions, little one. But I don't. What I do know is that I love you with all of my heart. And we will work together to get through this. Are you going to be taken away from me too? I can't promise I won't be taken away, but I will do my very, very best to take care of us and keep our family safe and healthy. Well, how come you don't cry? Don't you feel bad? Don't you, don't you miss him too? Oh, son, I do cry. I cry every single day. I cry on the inside. Grief is like a snowflake. Each snowflake is different and everyone shows grief differently. Just like snow, sometimes grief comes one flake at a time. And other times it's like a blizzard. It melts away, but it always comes back. You cry sap tears on the outside. I cry sap tears on the inside. Your uncle is so sad that he stopped drinking the rainwater and now, oh, his needles are starting to fall off. The whole emerald forest makes a sad noise when the wind blows. Everyone misses your daddy. What you need to know is that it's okay to be sad. It's okay if you feel mad. It's okay no matter what you feel. Just remember you can always talk to me about how you are feeling. No feeling you have is too big or too small to talk about. I don't want to talk to you and I don't want to talk to anybody right now. I just want to be with my dad. What really matters in life is not what you get, it's what you give back, the daddy pine tree said to the flocked tree. You were given plastic snow, fancy lights, and beautiful presents, but all of those things have to be stripped away from you before you can enter the great equalizer. The great equalizer only cares about what your insides are made out of. That's what you give back. Have you ever offered your branch to a real cardinal family that so they could build their nest? No. Believe me, the soft feathers of a real bird feel much better against your needles than this hard plastic thing does. Have you ever offered warmth from the cold, winter wind or shade from the hot summer sun to a younger tree? No. Have you ever given your pine needles away as presents? No. Believe me, there is no better feeling in the world than giving of yourself and being there for someone who really needs you. Your daddy is gone, little tree, and I know how much you miss him. I miss him too, but I promise you, your daddy is still in your life. He will always be in your life. I'm afraid I might forget him. You will never be able to forget him because he is a part of you. And in time, he will find a way to show you that. Blessed be. Let's let out a deep breath. Let us pause our chat for a few moments for our meditation and prayer. And don't worry, we'll turn it back on when it is time to share our joys and concerns. Right now, I ask you to release your shoulders, take in another deep breath, perhaps feeling some of the grief that was shared just now from Reverend Katie. Close your eyes if you are comfortable and to breathe gently, to find the pace of your own breath. 
If you're having a little bit of trouble becoming present to this moment, you might tap either on your wrist or on your knee or with your fingers and say a mantra, I am here right now. I am here right now. Feel that breath in your belly. Feel the breath in your chest, your shoulders, wherever you store your sadness, wherever you feel your anger, feel the stream of distress as it flows through your body and then let it go. And if you're not ready to let it go in this moment, put it aside. Return to your breathing, inhaling, exhaling. Oxygen traveling to the tips of your fingers and your toes, letting your attention rest in this moment. And with that next breath out, let it all go. And the rest here, knowing that you are held by your community. Let go that stream of distress. Be in this moment, here right now, in this moment of togetherness across the distance. Let us sit together with our breath in this moment in the holy silence for two minutes. Each of our stories carries drama and conflict, comedy and joy. Here in this shared space, our tales combine into a broader narrative. We are lifted by one another's gladness and help to lighten each other's burdens. When the music begins, share your joys and then your concerns in the chat bar for us to hold together. If you cannot write in the chat bar today, or if what you hold is too private or too tender, to share in a group, we are still here for you. Please contact the care team at caring at uuabq.org. Now, let us share together what is on our hearts. Mm -hmm. 
Abre las hojas del viento, mi vida. Ponle una montura al río. Cabalga y si te da frío, te arropas con la piel de las estrellas. Y almohada la luna llena, mi vida. Y de sueño el amor mío. Y una amapola me lo dijo ayer, que te voy a ver, que te voy a ver. Y un arco iris me pintó la piel para amanecer contigo. Y una amapola me lo dijo ayer, que te voy a ver. share many joys today. Joys in family, our togetherness that we are getting to experience again after a long time apart, celebrations and birthdays, adventures and music and dancing, walking in nature, enjoying our gardens as they start to grow, and great joy for this, our growing community. And we're concerned as well. One of those concerns is also a joy, the loosening restrictions and what that will mean for all of us. And the concerns of lost loved ones, of pain and illness, of money concerns and work difficulties, world strife, especially the conflict between Palestine and Israel and the continuing COVID around the world and drought in our own beloved New Mexico. We lift all of these and all those joys and concerns that we hold in our hearts unspoken. We lift them to the great powers of celebration, healing and renewal known by many names. Now let's join our hearts in prayer. We remember Elliot Moore, a longtime member of the Socorro congregation who passed on May 11th. May light perpetual shine upon him. We lift up Lori Flaherty, whose sister Carrie Fryman passed unexpectedly last week. May, may she be comforted by the memories of her sister. We grieve with Reverend Bob, whose father passed on Thursday evening. May he know the comfort of this congregation's support and may light perpetual shine upon Cortland Valley. 
We gather our hearts around Deb and Dan Golden, who mourn the sudden loss of their son, Father Graham Golden of the Norbertine Abbey. May they find solace in his legacy as a source of light in the community. And may light perpetual shine upon Graham. And we are grateful for the safety of music director Susan Peck, who was in a car accident in Colorado, but is uninjured. We give thanks for the blessings of this gathered community. May we continue to journey together as we work to create a more just and caring world. May we see what's beautiful and holy in our city. May we see what's beautiful and holy in each other. May we see what's beautiful and holy in ourselves. Blessed be and peace be with you. In these hard times, there will always be singing, always be singing in these hard times. In these hard times, there will always be singing, always be singing in these hard times. In these hard times, there will always be singing, always be singing in these hard times. In these hard times, there will always be singing, always be singing in these hard times. reading this morning is from Toni Morrison's powerful 1987 novel, Beloved. <clears throat> when warm weather came, baby Suggs, holy, followed by every black man, woman, and child who could make it through, took her great heart to the clearing, a wide open place cut deep in the woods, nobody knew for what, at the end of the path known only to deer and whoever cleared the land in the first place. In the heat of every Saturday afternoon, she sat in the clearing while the people waited among the trees. After situating herself on a huge flat-sided rock, baby Suggs bowed her head and prayed silently. The company watched her from the trees. They knew she was ready when she put her stick down. Then she shouted, let the children come, and they ran from the trees toward her. Let your mothers hear you laugh, she told them, and the woods rang. The adults looked on and could not help smiling. Then let the grown men come, she shouted. They stepped out one by one from among the ringing trees. Let your wives and your children see you dance, she told them, and ground life shuddered under their feet. Finally, she called the women to her. Cry, she told them, for the living and the dead, just cry. And without covering their eyes, the women let loose. It started that way, laughing children, dancing men, crying women, and then it got mixed up. Women stopped crying and danced, men sat down and cried, Children danced, women laughed, children cried until, exhausted and riven, all and each lay about the clearing, damp and gasping for breath. In the silence that followed, baby Suggs, holy, offered up to them her great big heart. 
She did not tell them to clean up their lives or go and sin no more. She did not tell them they were the blessed of the earth, its inheriting meek or its glory bound pure. She told them that the only grace they could have was the grace they could imagine. That if they could not see it, they would not have it. The writer best known for his book, The Little Prince, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, was also a pilot. And in his early days of flying, he helped establish air, air mail postal routes from across Africa and also South America. In those early days, he routinely flew a mail plane from Southern France to North Africa. It was a hazardous job full of uncertainties. Selena Hastings in an article in the New Yorker describes the dangerous conditions. The plane, the Breguet 14, was the most reliable aircraft of the time. However, it was pitifully frail by current standards with a wooden propeller, an open cockpit, and a range of well under 400 miles. It had no radio, no suspension, no sophisticated instruments, and no brakes. Maps were crewed and pilots navigated by following landmarks, a row of trees, a farmhouse, a field, a river. It was easy to get lost in heavy fog or rain or just in the dark, and weather predictions were often fatally unreliable. I always remind myself of that situation. Here they are looking for landmarks, but they're in the desert. Antoine tells the story of one night on a trip across North Africa. He was with his radio operator, Neri, and they found themselves disoriented in the desert with low fuel. He describes the moment. We had no means of angular orientation. We were already deafened and were bit by bit growing blind. The moon like a pallid ember began to go out in the banks of fog. And overhead, the sky was filling with clouds and we flew thenceforth between cloud and fog and a world voided of all substance and all light. The ports that signaled us had given up trying to tell us where we were. No bearings, no bearings, we said. And they said to us, their message was despairing for our voice reached out to them from nowhere and everywhere. And with sinking hearts, Neri and I leaned out, he on his side and I on mine to see if anything, anything at all was distinguishable in the void. Already our tired eyes were seeing things, errant signs, delusive flashes, phantoms. When suddenly, Antoine and Neri went from despair to hope when a point of light appeared on the port side. Assuming it was a light of an airport, they banked the plane in the direction only to see the light twinkle and go out. It had been the light of a single star that had disappeared. In these times of despair or uncertainty, of grief and loss, a new recognition of what has unfolded over this long pandemic year, I often return to stories. Stories that have helped me in the past to help me find my way. I've been feeling, uh, a feeling lost a lot lately. I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, although I work and have lived in Chicago, but I'm helping my parents in their old age with their health problems and their uncertainties. And although I spent my entire life in Tulsa and in a nearby town until I left for college, and I visited over the years, it's a completely different experience to spend several months in the place where you're from, but you haven't been back for an extended period of time for many, many years. 
The town has grown and changed. The old familiar landmarks are gone. The highways are wider. The stores are bigger. The neighborhoods sprawl and extend to places that I knew as farms and pastures. And then it's the worry and concern for my parents as they struggle with what are their concerns and worries. It's all disorienting, even in a planned city, even in a place where I know my way around or I used to, even when I've had all these conversations with my parents before, but to be here has been a perplexing time. I'm beginning to realize that I am not alone. I'm talking to lots of friends right now, and after this long pandemic year, I find that many of us are beginning to emerge from our disciplined routines that held us together, sometimes with duct tape, sometimes with just the pressure of our voices of our loved ones. Many of us beginning to emerge and find that in this time of new potential of vaccines, of hope that it hasn't all easily fallen back into place because there's still a lot of uncertainty. And again, recognizing what has been lost. We are starting to experiment when we wear our masks and wear or not at all. We are venturing to places we have not seen in person for over a year. We are greeting old friends often with a pause. Is it okay to hug each other? Do I feel comfortable? Does my friend feel comfortable? I offer an elbow and I'm met with a fist bump. I offer a fist bump and I'm met with an extended hand inviting a handshake. And there are those moments when I realize that there's a friend or a loved one that is missing, that there will not be that awkward moment with them at all. Some of our friends are still in isolation, caring for unvaccinated family members or themselves. Some of us have been reassessing everything in our lives during this year, our work, our relationships, many of our old routines have been, routines have been broken down by this pandemic. And we're trying to navigate this new world that we have longed hope for, but now finding all the answers are not readily available, that we've lost some of our bearings. Suddenly what was once natural feels awkward and strange. Antoine and his navigator Neri had never, had nearly given up that night that they were flying lost over the desert, the Sahara and Africa. Antoine began to calculate where to land, uh, possibly hoping that, that they wouldn't stray over the ocean. It was in that moment of despair and reckoning of what was about to take place when unexpectedly, the airport and Cenarius contacted them. It was their destination and they now knew where they were going, they thought, but realized that even though they had the direction and they were able to start orienting again that they may not have enough fuel to make it. In the night, as they shared their concerns, bit by bit, other airports came to life that night, radioing to the lost plane, giving their support, their comfort, their presence, when abruptly a voice rose above the others from Toulouse, France, their home base, thousands of miles away. And it broke through with a short message to the pilots without any introduction. And it said, reserve tanks bigger than standard. You have two hours fuel left. Proceed to Cisneros. Reserve tanks bigger than normal, bigger than standard. I've always loved the ending of that story. It's one of surprise and abundance. One that reminds me that I have found that to be true in these difficult times in life, these crossroads, that reserve tanks are bigger than standard when you are part of a religious community like First Unitarian. In this moment of grief that 
idea of these reserve tanks, what does that mean? And I often go to the idea of abundance. It's a theological concept for how else do we speak of love, of grace, of hope? How do we speak and yearn for these without also remembering abundance? Where we can see it in the world, even when the world is not as it should be, even as we still strain and yearn for the coming true of the words of James Baldwin for a more humane and just world. That we do have more reserves than we know, but it takes reaching out. It takes showing up. It takes that connection, however we can find it. Abundance is a paradoxical concept like most religious truths. It helps us see a different view of the world. Tracy Lind, the former Dean of Trinity Cathedral in Cleveland reminds us that much of life-giving truth is about transforming contradiction into paradox. Like water into wine, brokenness into wholeness, scarcity into abundance, the last into the first and death into life. Paradox makes sense of things that don't make sense and hold divergent truths in tension. Turning contradiction into paradise is choosing both and rather than either or. Seeing shades of gray instead of sharp contrasts. How else, how else can we emerge after this terrible year of uncertainty and heartbreak and grief? Because we certainly can't leave behind what we have been through. We must take it along with us as we go through it. But it can be a both and. And religious communities is a time of recalibration as we find new ways to offer worship and community on multiple platforms. It's a time that we feel like abundance develops when we work together and nourish our spirits, where we grow our hearts and minds and develop deeper connections with others. We've learned a lot in this pandemic. We still, I think most of us miss that in-person contact, but we have found new ways. And for some of us, when we get overwhelmed with lots of people, this has actually been a gift as well. New ways, different ways of connecting and being there for one another. It takes an act of faith to be a part of religious community. Nothing is a sure thing. I think this year has taught many of us that lesson once again. What we do now is very important. It is taking that act of faith to plant the seeds for the future, just as you did with your vote to buy the building next door, just as you have made these decisions as a community that is pointing towards abundance, even as you hold in your hearts and carry with you that grief. Some people say faith is believing a certain set of beliefs. Some say faith is believing what you cannot see or know for certain from experience. Yet one might point out that a human being is full of uncertainty. Faith has nothing to do with belief at all. Perhaps faith is an attitude, a way of being in the world and is rooted in the ideas of possibilities and abundance is developing a place of trust where you can lay down what is on your heart and your tears and your grief and your laughter and your joy. All of this has already been in the service today. A dear colleague of mine, Burton Carley, describes faith as a deep trust in things that cannot be proved. Hope, gratitude, love, Abundance. Toni Morrison's 1987 novel, Beloved, gives us a profound lesson of faith. And it's another story that I pull out. In fact, I was just reminded about it. I used to go to it all the time, many, many years ago, when the novel first came out. And my colleague, the Reverend Tandy Rogers, reminded me recently of this exact passage that I used to cherish 
but I had put it aside and forgotten. And there, just when I needed it, she retells me this story, those words from Toni Morrison's 1987 novel, Beloved, a profound lesson in faith, because there is baby Suggs, an unordained holy woman who has experienced unimaginable pain and trauma. She's formerly enslaved, now free. Of her nine children, only one was not taken away from her. And here she is in the woods, the unchurched preacher, seen as the healer of physical and spiritual wounds. And it is that moment, that vivid scene, when baby Suggs reminds us that the grace her people could have was the grace that they could imagine. In other words, if we keep our ideas of abundance down to a narrow level, our imagination of healing or reconnection, if we keep those ideas small, that grace for new beginnings, if we don't even imagine it at all, we are at risk of not having it not being able to see it, to feel it, to touch it, to make it come into being. It's for us to imagine that there is a way, even when our bearings are lost, a way when there is no hope, when it feels all is lost, or there's been too many changes, or we don't even know what the fall may hold with this awful virus. When we keep our imagination small, we overlook what is all around us, the love, the hope, the gifts. When we exclusively focus on what we don't have, what we don't want, what we lack, what we would change, what we're frustrated with, while these things can be important, they can easily send us into a negative spiral that breaks down the bonds of community and our sense of hope and joy and the possibility for wholeness. In his moving book, Making Loss Matter, Rabbi David Wollop describes the human tendency. He says, the frightening thing about loss is that what we do to ourselves to avoid it. We know we cannot live without losing, but this knowledge does not prevent us from seeking to protect ourselves. So we narrow our souls. We draw ourselves tighter and tighter, and by narrowing ourselves, we end up even more hurt than we were if we were open or free. For each time we protect ourselves, we make more and more frequent the things that could hurt us. And we draw the circle smaller. We increase all the space outside the circle, the space of things that cause us pain and push them away. Love requires openness. Community requires abundance and hope. And so in this time when we are trying to find our bearings again and feeling lost in a myriad of ways, it is the moment to call out for others to help us find our way, to find our bearings. Just as Antoine and Mary, when they couldn't identify a familiar marker or lights to guide their way, they laid their course and steered the best they could. And sometimes that's all we can do. But they also reached out in the night, their voices calling out and others answered them and pointed the way and called them in so that they could find their way back. And then there was that voice reminding them that their reserve tanks were bigger than normal. And so it is for all of us in this community. Together, our reserve tanks are bigger than normal. We will find our way. Let us imagine those ways that we can connect more in this beloved community and make the world a better place. Blessed be and amen. May it be so.
Through the months of March, April, and May, our Change for the Future recipient is the American Civil Liberties Union of New Mexico. The ACLU of New Mexico is especially focused on groups that have been historically disenfranchised as it works for justice, liberty, and equity. You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. And if you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line. Let us now exercise the enduring power of generosity. Over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in the air. Over my head, I hear music in What is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque, and thank you on behalf of the American Civil Liberties Union of New Mexico. As we approach the end of the service, everyone is invited to stay for our virtual coffee hour. Just stay on the call until the end of the credits, and you will receive an invitation to join a breakout room. If you would like to participate in coffee with the board, click on not now when invited to a breakout room to stay in this main room. If you're, comfortable, if you're comfortable moving from room to room, feel free to do so. You can go in and out of the coffee with the board if you like. While you're in the breakout rooms or having conversations with friends or with yourself today, here's a question for you to consider. How do you find your bearings? And now let's extinguish our chalices. And so may the truth that sets us free, the hope that never dies, and the love which casts out fear lead us forward together until the day spring breaks and the shadows flee away. Go in peace on this day. Go in love. Blessed be and amen. <laughs>